Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Stephen Brannan. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Why do we bother coming to church? There are a thousand other things that we could be doing on Sunday morning. Sleeping would be my top choice. But most of the world's out doing something else, or at least most of our world, our society, our neighbors. Sunday morning is the day for relaxing. I guess uh, Friday night's party night. Saturday is the day to go do stuff. And then Sunday tends to be, in our culture, the day just to uh, be lazy and do nothing. Or it's, it's just an extra day to get errands done, to extend your weekend vacation a little bit. But we come here for some reason. Why do we bother? What is it about? We're all smart and clever and, and committed people, and, and I'm sure we could come up with several answers for why we bother coming. Answers about worshiping God or... Um, devotion, or maybe even responsibility. Um, We have something to do in the service. We have a responsibility to our fellow Christians. We have a responsibility to bring our kids up and to train them in what we know to be good and right. And I think at the bottom of all those explanations is this foundational reason that in here is different than out there. I think we come here on Sundays, Saturday evenings for that matter, or even uh, feast days in the middle of the week sometimes. We come here because we know that here is a different place than out there, than all of out there. I mean, that's a big wide world out there. And yet here in this building is something different. It's also a different thing at St. Elias down the road or St. John the One Worker or, or wherever. But we come here because this is a different place from the rest of the world. Different, not just in degree of, I don't know, beauty or serenity or whatever, but different in kind. This is a different kind of thing altogether than the rest of the world. The Greek word for church is ekklesia, um, and the etymology of that word is um, actually the, a verb meaning to call out from, ek is the the out part and the kaleo means to to call so to call out to uh, summon out of so when we gather in the church as the ecclesia we are called out of the world to something else and we call this place a holy place and the word holy also means at its root set apart so This place is an assembly that is called out from the world. This is a holy place that is set apart from the the rest of the world. And the thing that makes this place different is that it is an outpost of the kingdom of God. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, the kingdom of God is not the same as the kingdoms of the earth. It's a different kind of thing. It's the fullest kind of thing. It's what the earth is supposed to be 
It's what the earth is. That's the telos, the final end and, and, and conclusion of our world, of all of history. It will be the kingdom of God. We know that. But now it's not. That's why we pray that the kingdom comes. And there are places in the world, there are thin places, as the Celtic Christians would say, places where the, the barrier between heaven and earth is thinner, more permeable, and, and the presence of God uh, sanctified through miracles or through the actions of his saints um, has left its mark on the world. But those are permeable places. They're still out in the world and they're bright spots in a dark world. This is a glowing spot. This is a place with walls around it. It is not just a, 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 a place where the presence of God is seen to be slightly stronger because there's a thinness to the realm. This is a place where the presence of God is intentionally set up as the ruling principle. This place is set apart and different from the world. In the gospel this morning, Jesus astonishes Simon Peter and those with him by um, demonstrating his special knowledge, his divine um, knowledge of, of how things are, either by just knowing where a giant shoal of fish was or by, through his divinity, calling them up into the nets. Either way, he demonstrated that with him are possibilities that Simon Peter and the others could never have imagined. In fact, would never have been possible for them without Christ. With Christ, there's a different sort of thing going on. They were so amazed at this. Um, well, it says, the gospel says they were all amazed, but of course it was Simon, Peter, uh, who... <laughs> expressed his amazement through some dramatic you know thing that that's that was the the mo of peter was to uh all the disciples would share a feeling but it was always peter who said something about it so peter falls down at the knees of jesus probably holding on to them and, and crying out in, in a melodramatic tone depart from me uh this was what's so wonderful about peter is his um expression of what all the rest of them were probably thinking, but just uh, didn't have the wherewithal to, to say or express. But Simon wears it on his sleeve. Depart from me. I'm sinful. The presence of Jesus, Peter recognized, was different than the rest of everything that he knew. And he wanted Jesus to be set apart. He wanted to be set apart from that. Depart from me. That's Sometimes when we come into this building, when I come into this building, my heart says, mm, I, would, I would rather not be, I would rather depart, quite frankly. I'm not ready to be in this presence again because I know it's so different. But that's why we come. Because when we do come, even when our hearts are like Peter saying, I don't want to be, I want to depart. I don't want to be in this place that is set apart like the presence of Christ was to Peter a set apart thing. I want to be back with the rest of everything that I'm comfortable with and that I know. But the word that then comes to us from God is fear not. In fact, as uncomfortable as it seems at first blush, 
the word we always get from Jesus, the word we always get from any uh, divine or divine presence or divine message, even when angels come to people, they always have to say, fear not. It's the first thing they say, because it's terrifying <laughs> to be in the presence of sheer holiness, something not just slightly more filled with goodness or beauty or serenity, but sheer otherness, the kind of holiness that is other than everything else. It's shocking. And we always have to hear the words, fear not, in order to orient ourselves comfortably to that, in order to be okay with being in this type of presence. And then Jesus says something to him, following on the fear not. He says, from henceforth, from now on, instead of doing this, catching fish, which are going to uh, you know, stink after a few days, you're going to catch men, men with souls that last for eternity. This is a weird um, analogy, catching, catching men. Uh, in a lot of the translations that I grew up with, it was, you will be a fisher of men. Fisher of men. Well, that makes men sound like fish. How, how can you fish for men? You fish for fish. It's, you don't, it's a weird verb. The verb is fish. You can't fish for men. So I like this translation better. Uh, you will catch men. You'll do the same thing with men that you did with fish. You're not fishing because men aren't fish. You're catching men. But how, how do you catch man? How do you catch people? If you catch fish, you're lowering a net into the deep and bringing up creatures that generally are comfortable being in the water and taking them out of the water where they're not as comfortable. That's not what you do with man. If you're catching men, though, and this comes from Jesus himself. He's the one who gives us this image, so he's telling us something about man. I think he's telling us something about the nature of the man that will be caught by the apostles. These men are somewhere they ought not to be. And so when they're caught, they're brought to where they ought to be. Fish are comfortable in the deep, in the dark, in the crushing depths. Men are not. That's not where men should be. Men should not be in the deep, in the dark, in the crushing depths. When we catch men, we bring them out of that into increasing degrees of light until finally they cross that boundary of water into fresh air. And they're brought into some place completely other. From the deep near the surface, those are degrees of beauty and peace. But once you cross that boundary, that's something entirely different. When we catch men, when people leave that outside place and come into this set-apart place, what they experience is something completely different than that. That's what Jesus calls Peter and the others to. A new vocation. It's something similar that they've done, but the object of their catching, the nets that they spread, are not ones woven of string. The nets that they spread are words woven together. The art of um, not just rhetoric, but communication, 
what are they communicating? They're communicating an otherness, something they're, they're calling out. The ecclesia is called out. And so the words of the gospel, as they would learn from following Christ after this point, can be woven together to draw huge crowds of people. But there's another difference between fish and man. Man are slipperier than fish, even. <laughs> Mankind can escape the net if he really desires to. He can slide back into that comfortable darkness, a darkness that is not good for him, that's not natural to him, but nevertheless, a darkness he's become accustomed to, a crushing reality that is the thought of which is scary to leave. And we see this all the time. People in terrible situations who you just want to reach out to and say, look, you don't have to stay in this. But people become accustomed to those situations. They become accustomed to the things that keep them smothered in the darkness and the depths. If by the grace of God, we allow him to teach us to weave together nets of words, nets of actions, nets of pure hearts and examples of lives lived out in holiness, the more compelling the net, the less likely man is to slip out of it. If we can weave a net that draws men up into light so that they finally breach the surface and breathe the air they're intended to breathe, the air of holiness, the air of truth and goodness, the air of self-death. It is a kind of death to leave that type of life and come into a brand new type. That's what baptism is all about. It's a dying with Christ and rising again to a new life. Baptizo, the submersion, is, is laying yourself down and letting all that belongs to the water stay in the water and then rising out of it, a new man, that's why we come here on Sundays, because this is a different kind of place. Why do we open our mouths to sing these words that we sing every Sunday, the words of, of the canticles that we sing, of the psalms that we sing, of the hymns, the words of the prayers that we pray? Why do we open our mouths? Why do we ask God, Lord, open thou my lips? Why do we do that if not to cleanse them? from the words that we speak out there, the words that belong out there, that we shouldn't bring in here. We have to train ourselves to speak differently. Why do we look at these images, icons of saints, who many of whom laid down their own lives, like our patron, Albin? They all have these halos of glowing gold around them. What is that? That's not, that's not their light. That's the light of Christ. They all live to Christ. They've died to themselves, and we put their pictures all around us. We put pictures of our Lord in glory and reigning from the cross. We train our eyes in these images, but why? To cleanse them from the things that we see out there, the things we expose our eyes to. Why do we listen to the words of the gospel? Why do we listen to the sweetness of the melodies and tunes, the music we sing, if not to cleanse our ears 
and transform them from the things that we hear out there. This is a place set apart because it's filled with the life set apart. This is an outpost of the kingdom of God in this world. It doesn't belong to the world, but the world is welcome to come in as long as it changes. Everyone is welcome to come in as they are, but the goal is not to leave them as they are once they come in. The goal is to turn them from stinky, fishy, scaly creatures into true men and women, made in the image and eventually the likeness of God. That's why we come to church. We, when we leave this place, hopefully take this otherness with us into the world and ourselves become little outposts of the kingdom of God. It's a really high calling, and it's a calling that I fail at miserably on a regular basis, but that's why I keep coming back here. Um, this isn't just a practical, pragmatic gathering place. This is a place completely set apart from everything else that we know, and that's what's so terrifying and yet also so magnetic about it. This is the only life I want now. I don't want to live in crushing depths and darkness and cold. I want the fresh air and the brightness and the warmth of the true life, the life that God offers us. So I pray that we will consider ourselves belonging to the world of the air instead of the world of the crushing depths and that we will regularly um, train our lips and our eyes and our ears to be the kinds of lips and eyes and ears that belong to this place and not to that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.